Thank you for those who don't know Millie. Millie is the youngest member of the preaching team. <laughs> and a few months ago when the church, we went for an away day and we had a sign up as who might join each team to do what? And Millie joined the team of preaching. And then over the last few months, I've been talking with her, say, when are you going to preach? And one day she said to me, um, I think I will start from the beginning. I said, what's the beginning? To start by reading the Bible. And I thought, that's profound. So watch the space. And today, she has read the scripture. One day, you'll see her standing here and bringing God's word. Um, never underestimate what the Lord might be doing in the background of people, particularly children. So that's why we love the children in our fellowship. For those who don't know me, my name is Abby, and I have the privilege of being part of the leadership team here, and I play the role of one of the pastors and my colleague, Paulos is the one who had been leading worship this morning. And this is an Advent season, and we continue to bring God's word to us. But join me in prayer before we listen to what the Lord has for us. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this wonderful season, season of expectation, season of waiting, season of anticipation. And we pray that this morning, as you have already been speaking to us through various ways, that now as we turn to the proclamation of your word, that you continue, Lord, to cement the truth of who you are in our heart, in our mind, in our lives. And help me to communicate faithfully what you have given me by your grace. We ask that your spirit, who is among us, be very much at work. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In our services, we do have a part called announcement. So I have a question for you. Hands up if the announcement beat is your most favorite part of the service. Only Paulos. <laughs> thank you, my brother. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much. Well, to some of us, the announcement can be boring, especially if they are given by someone like Abby who goes on and on and on and on. I can see the young man, Ian, say, doing like this. But this morning, I have an exciting announcement to make. And this is the Messiah's first advent, which was announced this exciting announcement. And, and it is all about the coming of God in human flesh to dwell 
among us. This is exciting. We have been going through a series in the evening called Excited About God. And we look forward this evening to hearing from Steve as he brings to us God's word. But we can also be excited this morning to be reminded that the Advent season, this announcement is about the coming of God in human flesh to dwell among us. But here's the question. Who is this God? What kind of God who dwells among us is he? And from this passage, I have identified a few characteristics about who this God is. Number one, is the God of hope. We have just lit a candle since last Sunday we lit it, a candle of hope. He is the God of hope. Now, from this passage, where's the hope coming from? And if we go into detail, you can see that we are dealing with the God who is interested in and being associated with people in low position. This announcement, which was made by Angel Gabriel, or Gabriel, he went to obscure Cure town of Nazareth. Now, those who know, and I'm assuming all of us who know, all of us who know our, our story, the story of the Bible, we know that Nazareth was a, a town that was, in, in, in a way, in our Western culture, there are people who have like this, as they taught me when I was up north. And they look at other people like that. And so Nazareth was that place where the folks, for instance, in Jerusalem were like, oh, we are. Nazareth? Is there anything good can come from Nazareth? And even in Nazareth, which is a town of Galilee, Galilee, even their accent doesn't, it's like the five accent. I'm not diminishing folks from five. Or maybe I will say where I was because they want to offend is the Peter Heed, the Peter Heed accent. In comparison, to, they told me in Scotland, the posh accent is in Inverness. Is anyone from Inverness here? No, then we are fine. And so these people in, in, in Nazareth, in Galilee, Galilee, you, you can dig deep, is the land where we also see, particularly the Galilee of Gentiles, in the land of people walking in darkness, a land of the shadow of death. And so when you dig deep here, the picture you get is that that of hope given to the people. The God who is interested, the God who is associated. This is the God who came to us. 
And as I was reflecting these, the words, you know, are like uh, songs. Sometimes I may not sing them very well, but for me, many a time, God, you know, the truth of the Bible is cemented by the, 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 the words of the song. It's reminded me of the, the words of a song composed by a friend of mine I walked with by God's grace when I was in Aberdeen, the names of James Gregory. He wrote or composed a song with the title, God of Hope. You can go into the YouTube and find that. And as he speaks of this God of hope, he says this. This is the God who holds the broken hearted. Is the God who stands beside the weak. Is the God who goes to those in darkness. He is the God whose heart is for the outcast. Is the God for those who call the least. He is the God who lifts the broken spirit. He goes to those forgotten, the faces we don't see. And as James Gregory think about the God of hope, he goes on with a chorus, God of hope, God of future, God of new tomorrows. You are the one who can take a broken heart and make it sing. God of hope. If your heart is broken this morning, if you think or feel neglected, despised, forgotten, and your faces doesn't bring any joy to anyone, then we are dealing with the God of hope. We can find hope in this hopeless world, in this God. And so my prayer also for each one of us, I'm joining Paul who prays for, who prayed for the Romans and saying, may the God of hope fill you with hope so that you may overflow with joy and hope as you trust in him, the God of hope. As we find hope, we are also invited to join in his mission in bringing hope to the hopeless. The second characteristic I found of this God, he is the God of surprises. His mighty act always catches us by surprise. The mighty act of Mary being told that she's going to be with a child and give sanity, birth to a son, caught Mary by surprise. Look at her. She was young. She had the kind of ordinary plans that any girl in her late teen will have. She was engaged, happily in love with Joseph, looking forward to starting life in some way or another place. All of a sudden, there's something that changes her life. Sudden. Friends, we worship the living God who might just do something supernatural. 
in our lives. And even in this season of Advent, we should never lose sight that this God is the God of surprise, who can take us by surprise. Students, you'll be thinking in one year, or this year I'm going to graduate and then finish. You may just find that before even you graduate, you meet a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and all your plan just changes. You might just find that. I'm talking, I know when I talk to the girls in this church and the boys, I'm thinking, I mean, it's not a wise thing, but if I could be just like a dating agency, it would have been great, really. But I just want them to, to have someone, you know, with them. And, but who knows? The God of surprises. And these surprises takes our lives not into the worse, but to the better. As God surprises us in the way that he does. And his methods of surprising are always unusual. And so I pray that we may be expecting, even over this time when life is hard, as we worship the living God who is the God of surprise, that we may also be surprised. Number three, by the way, I should have told you there are five, just in case you're thinking, how many? Five, so we are in number three. Not only is a God of hope, a God of surprise, but is a God of grace. Look at Mary again. Although she was a virgin, in other words, no sexual intercourse with a man. So in that way, she had no sin of uh, linked to sexuality, sexual immorality. But let's face it, no one is perfect. Mary had the sins and the weaknesses like anybody else in our lives as we go about life. And yet, we hear twice, she's being told, you have found favor or grace before God. Something she did not, she did not merit. Of a sudden, she finds the grace. We are dealing with the God of grace, my friends. And you see, grace is a blessing, a great blessing to us. It's so rich. So rich, invaluable. If you were to dig, you will see that with that comes uh, privileges. Mary, after finding favor and grace before God, even the relatives like Elizabeth, now I don't know, what kind of relationship they had, but let's, let's just be real. In families, everything is not always a bed of roses. Sometimes the attention, particularly over Christmas, people are struggling. Where do I put that one to sit? Last time they fall up with that one. This time she has to be there or he has to sit there. Let's not make them sit in the same place because we, we avoid tensions. And perhaps, just perhaps, Elizabeth, 
being a relative or, of Mary had some tension in the family. And perhaps wasn't yet looked at, but when now Mary had been found favor and grace before God, look at verse 42, which we did not read. What Elizabeth, as she looks to Mary, say, blessed, blessed are you among all the women. Her status has been just raised to another level. Grace lifts us up. Privileges. A privilege to be the mother of the Lord Jesus. But it's one thing we can also see there. That that privilege is not only attached to Mary. But it's also there is a relationship to Christ that is within reach of us all. A relationship that is there and can be formed when we come to believing and obeying the Lord. One day, a woman listened to Jesus as Jesus taught, as Jesus performed miracles. In Luke chapter 11, verse 27, this woman said um, to, 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 uh, from the crowd, say, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. Or other translation says, happy, happy, and to be envied, the mother who gave birth to you. Jesus said, listen, yes, she's happy, but the next verse, blessed or happy to be envied, rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So even us, we can have that relationship with the Lord when we listen to the word of God. And in fact, Jesus said, in another gospel said, who is my mother, who is my brother, who is my sister, is the one who does the will of God. Which he can participate in the blessing. But there's another thing also worth noting here, is that those who are shown grace can experience suffering can experience suffering. Think about it at the moment. Who could have believed Mary's story? How would she be able to explain to other people that uh, what I am carrying, this pregnancy is a miracle? Maybe it would have taken decades before any group would believe in her. Who would understand her? She would be, a sus she would be suspicious or people will be suspicious of her, her in-laws, her community. She faced the potential of raising this child alone. And think about in those days where there was perhaps no benefit in the society. Why? Because even Joseph was thinking to divorce with her. Mary. She even faced potential death penalty because in the society of the time, to being found like that, they would have said, this pregnancy, you are lying. You must have committed adultery. Therefore, 
you'll be put to death. But above all, as a mother, what a suffering was ahead of her, seeing her own child rejected, betrayed, and eventually being crucified. No parent would want to see the child, the children, go through intense suffering. My Mary, friends, as God's servant, some, all of us who have found grace, we will go through tough times. We are not immune from suffering. And sometimes we just need to abandon all hope of being understood by anyone. Jesus, in fact, himself wasn't understood. Never will we be understood. But again, the words of another song come to my mind. No one understands like Jesus. When we go through suffering. But you see, friends, the good news is when we go through suffering, we are never alone. For this God of grace also comes to us like what he said to Paul, who was his servant. He said, you are suffering. This is painful. But my grace is sufficient for you. The grace of God is with us. But there's another thing before we move to this other God. Perhaps the last one is we have to look at Mary again. God's servants have to leave themselves in the hand of God. Mary, at the end, despite of the inconvenience and everything that was in front of her, ahead of her, immediate inconvenience and perhaps a long-term inconvenience, and look at verse 37, as a slave girl, she could not but only accept the will of her master. Friends, we need to accept the will of God to be done in our lives. I had some question I was asking myself. Am I prepared to be anything? Am I prepared to be anything, even in both now in the present or in the future, as long as the will of God is plain in my life? Just like Mary, the will of God was there. You are going to be with a child. And she understood and she said, hands up, I accept. Am I prepared? Are you prepared? Are you willing to let the grace of God do in you and through you what the Lord intends to do? The fourth characteristic is uh, we are dealing with the God of salvation, and we could dwell here. In fact, this is the heart of the whole passage. Because uh, although we can uh, spend time looking at Mary, but uh, swiftly the story shifts from Mary to her baby. God comes or came to us in the person of Jesus Christ. There is a glorious account in these few verses about uh, this baby, this royal baby. 
who he was going to be and who he is. But when you dig deep, looking at his name to begin with, Jesus, salvation, the Lord, salvation, the Lord of salvation, the one who has come to save the world to begin with from sin. And I wish we had time, friends, to look at this God who in these few passages, in these few verses, unveiled to us in this belief that hold us, we believe in three persons, in this Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are all there. God the Father sending the Son and the Holy Spirit doing the work. And even with that, that's where even our salvation, they are all involved. God of salvation. But the key question is, can you put yourself there saying, God of my salvation. He's not only the salvation of the world, but he's mine as well. And for all of us who know that he's the God of our salvation, we should be encouraged to reflect these days on this Jesus who brought this salvation to us. But you see, our God saves not only from sin, but also when we go through life turbulence. Is God saves. I came across the words of the Lord to a saved, a redeeming people, a redeemed people in the book of Isaiah. And he is saying to them, I'm the only savior to you. And so now listen, fear not, for I have redeemed you. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Times are tough, friends with the rising cost of living, but we are not alone in this tunnel. Our Savior is with us. And we will get through. Last but not least, is the God of the impossible. Nothing is impossible with God or his plan will never fail, verse 37. Nothing is impossible with God. The angel was telling it to Mary what, what God has said, he will do it. There's not going to be any human impossibility 
that he is not able to overcome. Be it virginity. He is the God who is able to do beyond what we can think. In fact, the context also tells us that not only this human impossibility related to virginity, but also another human impossibility with related to the advanced age and also barrenness in the life of her relative, Mary. Do you know the song? Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. Nothing is difficult for thee. One day I will sing it, but not today. But this does not suggest, it does not mean that um, God can just uh, do the incredible things uh, if uh, you just uh, take time uh, to shut your eyes tightly and, uh, and uh, fold your arms and uh, think positively, God is going to do that. And all of a sudden, uh, you open your eyes and turn it. It doesn't work like that. This uh, God of the impossible, nothing is impossible with him. The truth of nothing is impossible with God teaches us that God will do what he has promised. God will do what he has promised. No matter how incredible that promise is, I wish I had time to go through all this that is in our text. But, uh, you know, it's like this picture which is coming. Um, you know, he knocks all the impossibilities in our lives. And he said, all these impossibilities, I am the possible. I can do everything. I mean, uh, look at these uh, quick passages where we find these uh, same ideas. Nothing is impossible with God. Uh, sorry, they are so small there. Genesis 18 verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Again, it's the Lord, Yahweh, who is asking that question as, uh, as he speaks to Sarah, who is uh, advanced, a woman, uh, a menopause woman with advanced age who cannot, humanly speaking, bear a child. And the Lord says, is there anything difficult for me? Again, why God is asking that? It's because that is linked with a promise. I will give you a child, so nothing is impossible for me to fulfill that. And then Jeremiah, again, when the people of God were praying, Jeremiah is in the prison, not because he broke the bank, not because he, he did the shoplifting somewhere, but because he spoke the truth. And he's there in prison, confined by Zedekiah. And I start praying, and he said, Oh, sovereign Lord, you are the creator of heaven and earth. Nothing is too hard for you. Not that Jeremiah wants to come out of the prison, but he's just seeing what is going on with life in Jerusalem. They are going to go in exile. And then, as he finishes prayer, the Lord answered him, saying the next verse, which is actually not verse 17. There's a mistake, verse 27 in that chapter 32. The Lord say, 
Is anything too hard for me? No. Again, the promise there is the promise of restoration. And then the last one is linked with salvation when the disciples are saying, who can be saved? The Lord say, what is impossible with man is possible with God. God is the only one who can change the mindset of someone who put the trust in the visible things to put his faith in the invisible Savior. Only God can do that. And so there is hope even for those who are too bad, we think, or, too, or their heart are too hard or too cold to come to know the Lord. The only thing that is impossible with God is that it is impossible for him to lie. Now, let me close by saying a few things. Number one, let me encourage us this uh, Advent season to think of the promises of God. Because what he has said, he will do it. There is a promise, for instance, of forgiveness. That when we come to him in repentance, he forgives us. There is a promise for life. That when we come to him, we receive life. And life beyond this life. There is a promise of security that those who are in him, their lives are hidden with Christ in him. Security or safe that is there forever. There is a promise of rest and peace. Come to me, all those who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. But above all, who is this God? Who is like him? When we think of this God, you ask yourself, who is like my God? Who is like our God? The answer will be none. None. For ours is the God of hope, the God of surprises, the God of grace, the God, the Lord of our salvation, the Lord of the impossible. To him be the glory. Amen.